The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Live from the NASDAQ market site in the heart of New York City's Times Square, this is Fast Money. Here's what's on tap tonight. Amazon headlining the busiest day of this earnings season. Shares giving up their after-hours gains even after a massive earnings beat. We're surrounding the action on that stock and the other names out with results tonight. Plus, add to cart. The sell-off in Staples has brought a bunch of these names to 52-week lows. But one of our traders has found a couple of stocks they say might be so bad they're good. The names that they are watching coming up. And later, a consumer crunch, two stocks sending signs that shoppers are struggling. The big headlines are MasterCard and Align Technology that are raising some red flags. I'm Melissa Lee coming to you live from Studio B at the NASDAQ on the desk tonight. Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, Dan Nathan, and Steve Grasso. And we begin with another monster night of earnings. Amazon, Ford, Intel, and Chipotle all on the move after the results. We've got full team coverage. Phil LeBeau, Christina Partsnevelis, and Kate Rogers all standing by. We start off with Deidre Bosa, who's got all the details on Amazon's quarter. Debo. Yeah, so Mel, the street just wanted more from AWS, Amazon's cloud unit. The analyst call kicks off in about 30 minutes, but I did have the chance to talk to CFO Brian Olsowski just a few minutes ago, and I asked him if he could say whether AWS growth has bottomed. He said he wouldn't characterize it that way, that they're in a delicate situation, and while cost optimization work is starting to slow, he said that there are still companies that are joining that effort, and that's really when the stock turned and gave up the gains. Um, it's also disappointing for the street, which wanted to hear that that trajectory had turned. Going into results, we had mixed messaging from the other cloud giants, Microsoft and Google. Google said something similar to Amazon, that customers are still optimizing. And that's just another way of saying that they're cutting costs. They're trying to save in the cloud. Microsoft Cloud, on the other hand, was stronger on the strengths of its AI offerings. Amazon, likewise, though, has been pouring all of its efforts and billions of dollars into generative AI through its cloud unit. So this could perhaps underpin sort of the street's opinion and notion that Amazon is a solid third in this race behind Microsoft and Google that is generative AI. Um, we'll definitely get more on the call and listen to that when it kicks off in less than 30 minutes. All right. And Deidre, fourth quarter sales guidance also slightly disappointing, huh? Yeah, absolutely. And this is the all important holiday yep. season. So that's also key. And that relates to its core e-commerce business. All right, Debo, keep us posted. Deirdre Bosa on Amazon. Um, we're in negative uh, territory at this point in Amazon stock. It had been higher by as much as about 6% here. Um, wh what do you make of this? It's an interesting... Cost optimization. <laughs> I said I it really quick. I know, but I mean, I'm just saying that's the thing that literally yeah. sent Alphabet down 10%. It sent it down 13%. And so I think that's really important to see. Like, listen, a lot of folks were getting excited about the fact that maybe you were seeing this, like, the, the consecutive quarters of decelerating growth in AWS bottoming out. And that answer from the CFO to Deirdre suggests that they don't have a lot of visibility right now. You know why? Because their customers don't have a lot of visibility right now. And when you think about it, I'm just going to kind of take it back to Microsoft. Yesterday, we spent a lot of time talking about Microsoft. Microsoft and those great results. Think about this. We also talked about this Copilot 365 that they're going to start charging for on November 1st. 
What if those same enterprise customers are optimizing costs in and around some of the seats in which they license this sort of software? So what I'm saying is we're not done yet. We don't know about this. And a lot of these companies have also been cutting costs as it relates to headcount. When you have reduced headcount, that means you have reduced seats for these sorts of licensed software and the like. So I just think this is going to be a theme that we hear a lot about. So just if you think about the last three days that we've had of all these major you know, companies reporting, it's like, you know, last Last quarter, these guys were good. This quarter, they're bad. I think it's going to keep ping-ponging like this for a bit until we get more visibility about the economy. I mean, what Amazon is telegraphing with its guidance and, and with the comments about cost optimization is that all customers, whether it be retail or enterprise customers, they are looking hard at what they are spending. And that's not the message that you want to hear in these stocks. At this point. No, it's message we've heard from everybody. Mm-hmm. And some level, if you read between the lines sure. and, and if you read between the lines on housing and less projects, and people are definitely pulling in. Um, but but I, I think also for people that were expecting Amazon to deliver a really decided vote to break the tie between Google uh, and Microsoft, this, this one kind of came down the middle. I um, mean, this one really doesn't really tell you all that much. People are encouraged by the operating, uh, the op margin, and, and that was really impressive overall for the company. Came in about 300 basis points better than expected. But then on the guide, they gave it all back. So the, the, the midpoint of, of the operating income for the 4Q guide implies that the operating margin is coming back in. I'm just reading a couple reports from the street that are coming out here. Our friend Brent Hill um, said something like on his headline, 12% AWS growth, just not enough to keep the goblins away uh, as we are so close to, to Halloween here. So anyway, I mean, this I don't think these numbers are terrible. Remember, Amazon has outperformed the rest of the mega cap space over the last couple months after badly underperforming them. Some of this is just what we get to. This is this is these numbers aren't great. They're not terrible, um, but the stock's done well. So I think Amazon is a company that doesn't really care where their stock is trading in the short term. Mm -hmm. So uh, I generally don't really give um, much weight to their guidance because they sort of put wide guidance out there. And I I don't think they really care. That having been said, though, it's a little bit disappointing. I was hoping that... um, that they would be more on the Microsoft side of right. cloud growth as opposed to the, the Google side. But um, we'll see. It's, it's, it's very cloudy right now. If you, I mean, there's a lot of some things that came out good. We'll get to Intel, for example. That was a surprise. But to Amazon, I mean, I'm long. It's not cheap for sure. But I think the story is still intact. If we have a, you know, a weak fourth quarter, which sounds like we might very well might, um, I think it won't be great. But the one thing I do wonder is if they mention Timu, if are they are they losing share there? Right, How, Timu and Sheehan. Yes, yeah. and Sheehan, right, both. I want to hear that. I'm interested to see if that is because they have not had a threat at all. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if this is. I, I don't think they're losing work. share. I think Dan's been right to point out business spend is on on the downslide. If we look at GDP, we saw consumer. The consumer is fine. The 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 business is not fine. They're cutting back. So they're being judicious on their spend. But when you look at revenues beat, EPS beat, stock ratcheted up quickly. Then you look at AWS. We're not even talking about e-commerce anymore. This is not even an e-commerce business anymore. Granted, they're, they're killing it on the e-commerce side as far as real numbers. This is only about AWS. If customers aren't spending because there's a geopolitical event or if there's something going on in the macro economy, that's a different story. The consumer is still strong. So I think we have to look at it in a different light. Yeah. You know, listen, I I just say this. 
that operating income that you pointed to that Debo mentioned, I mean, this company is operating really well, right? So it really comes down to, like, what are you willing to pay? To Steve's point, the North American retail business has never been valued at anything. It did outperform last quarter. They had better margins there. I think the street kind of liked it, but the stock is down 18% and nearly a straight line from those recent 52-week highs. So the expectations coming in were actually pretty low, despite the relative outperformance that you're talking about, Tim, over the last year. So, like, when's the last time you've seen a trillion dollar or a company of this size relative to the index sell off nearly 18%, put up numbers like that, and then sell off. Like, it just tells you about where investors are in this market in a way. And so to me, that leads me to believe that we're not done. And I've been talking about the lack of visibility a lot of these companies have. They were given a pass, it felt like, in the spring into the summer, but something turned in mid-July, right, when all of these companies, like Microsoft and Apple in particular, did not start, they, they weren't trading well on good news anymore. And I think that's a big shift that we've seen from the prior six months. I mean, that well, seems to be the common thread here in terms of the reports we've gotten. The ones, the companies that reported badly, missed, guided down, whatever you want to call it, got just wrecked. And the ones that even put up good numbers didn't do well either. I mean, Microsoft on the week, it's like they're getting no credit for the quarter whatsoever because they are flat at this point. Yeah, but it, it, so this is all true. So we're making a market commentary here because yeah. there's nothing wrong with these companies and there's nothing wrong with even their profitability. There's nothing wrong with their ability to engineer earnings. They have a lot of flexibility. They could be buying back shares. They could be doing a lot of different things. As Karen rightly points out, Amazon's kind of in this for the long haul, right? And so, um, I, you know, we're, we're, our markets discussion at some point is going to focus that the triple Qs are about to, uh, about to go crashing through the 200-day or so it appears. And, and this is after a period where they so dramatically outperformed the rest of the market. So at least walking in today, NASDAQ, uh, triple Qs are up 32% on the year. The equal-weighted S&P um, is down 4 um, that, you know, that's a 36% differential between the biggest companies in the world and how they've done. So coming into this, we, we, I think we thought the bar was going to be this high and therefore tough to beat two quarters ago for these companies. On some level, I think that's almost the surprise. There's nothing here that we've heard that the economy's falling out of bed. We haven't even gotten any of the exciting AI kind of sprinkles out of Amazon. I think we're going to hear some stuff on the call that talks about AI, and I think they're well positioned. All right, let's get to Fast Money friend Gene Munster, who's here to dig into Amazon's quarter. He's the managing partner at Deepwater Asset Management. Um, what's your what's your take on this quarter? Melissa, I think we need to take two steps back and look at this at the highest level. And the lens that investors are focusing on is growth. Amazon just had a great quarter related to profits. They guided their operating margin for December to, if you do the midpoint game, to 6% margin. The street was at 52 Back in the day, eight, 10 years ago, that would have been Amazon stock goes higher. But here we have it kind of fading in the aftermarket. And I suspect it will go lower because that key growth question. And even though AWS is only 10% of their business, it is uh, foundational to how investors think about Amazon as a growth stock. In other words, is Amazon stock is not going to work until AWS shows measurable improvement. And I'm not talking about going from what it was this quarter, 12% to 13 or 14%, but that needs to step back up to the high teens or even 20%. Because mathematically, you're going to have Azure growing at 27% next year and Google Cloud probably at 23%. Amazon's going to be losing share in cloud. And that is just the signature. Cloud is kind of the signature exciting topic now for investors. And so, uh, Mel, my overall thoughts are that this is all about cloud. We knew it going into it. And yes, there's a lot of good things, reasons to be excited about the company longer term. But until we see that meaningfully and sustainably accelerating the AWS number, I think shares are going to be range bound. 
So, Gene, when you look at the person who's running the company, it's the person who was running AWS. Does that give you more hope or, or does that make you more negative on the company, knowing that this is the best person there and it's still not performing to your liking? Well, I think in just uh, it directionally, it's it's in the more hope category. I mean, the, the leadership understands that business uh, infinitely well. I think the challenge here is that to get it to reaccelerate is a hard job. They've talked about those investments in Anthropic, and that's important to kind of get some of those models on. But Google is well ahead of where Amazon is at in terms of integrating these models, and they're uh, losing uh, some steam in cloud. It's, it seems like all this is gravitating. So, Steve, in other words, I think that the issue here is almost beyond uh, Jesse's ability to control. Uh, they're doing the right things, talking about that those investments, but ultimately, they got to really beef up what's going on at AWS to try to play into this long term. And it, it's going to take a long time to shift investors on to getting excited about AI and e-commerce. Gene, it's Karen. You talk about um, their cloud position. Do you think that, they're, that the pie is slowing measurably or is it just an issue of taking share to, to Microsoft, I guess? The pie is, uh, if, if you look mathematically at the three largest, it's basically flat. You had an acceleration from Azure, they got 22% share. You had a decel from Google, they have 10% share. And basically a flat to deceleration from Amazon, and they have 33% share. So uh, I think mathematically it's basically flat. That's understandable given everything that's going on. I think that the this opportunity around cloud should clearly accelerate. I mean, this should be growing the overall cloud uh, market should be growing 20, 30% for the next five plus years. And so uh, I think that, uh, you know, that this is investors, it's just hard to get excited and get behind a company if they are perpetually losing share. And all the good things that AWS has done to get this leading market share position really doesn't hold weight unless they hold their market uh, share position. Uh, Gene, uh, keep us posted on this conference call as you, uh start to listen to it in about 15 minutes time. Gene Munster with us. Um, so it is losing. It didn't sound like Gene thought it was too early for, you know, to declare a winner in this race so far. No, but it sounds like he's a lot more impressed by the marginal share gain by Microsoft. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I just, I, I, look, I think this, uh, to me, the numbers we've seen out of the three companies we just talked about, uh, I don't think you've seen anybody uh, necessarily eating anybody else's lunch. I think this gets back to, I mean, cloud has gotten uber competitive. At some point, there's slightly different services we're talking about. There's obviously uh, software elements that Microsoft's claiming. There's the AI ingredients they're all adding. Uh, but this really is a tell on cloud, I think, at some point. And I think this is part of what we all have to grapple with. These companies are going to see slowing growth. He says investors, I mean, this isn't Gene. I mean, ultimately, we've been talking about cloud for two, three, four years. Uh, and those folks that are most exposed, and obviously AWS is the driver for the valuation at Amazon. All right, let's go broader tech here. The tech-heavy Nasdaq dropping deeper into correction territory today, falling another 1.7% to close below its 200-day moving average for the first time since March. The S&P 500 down over 1% and now more than 10% off its 52-week high. The Dow also under pressure. Um, 
Dan, you say the underpinnings are really bad. This is to the point that you were talking about before. But listen, I think it's really important to put this in context. I mean, like, none of this is a disaster. I mean, all these quarters that we're talking about were pretty decent. I think a lot of it has to do with how much positive sentiment as it relates to the entire stock market complex in the U.S. is wrapped up in a small group of names. And we've been talking about this for months. If you looked at retail, if you looked at banks, if you looked at transports, if you look at industrials, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Healthcare, they've all, staples, utilities, they've all fallen by the wayside. So this is the last bit to fall. It doesn't mean that we're going to crash. It just means that they're taking the froth out of the market. If you look at the multiples in a lot of these more cyclical areas, they've already been massively depressed. Okay, And this is very similar to what we saw a year ago this week when the stock market was making a low, that everything else other than these large tech stocks were trading well below, like very near trough multiples, where, where, where the stock market usually troughs in low teens. The differential, though, when you looked at the headline, if you're looking at FactSet or whatever, and it's saying that it's 18 or 19 times, you're saying that's expensive historically. But again, it was these 10 stocks. So all of these stocks that we're talking about, we're talking about Apple is up 30% of the year. Uh, Microsoft, Amazon, Google are all still up 40% of the year. NVIDIA and you know is up 180% of the year. Tesla is still up 65% of the year. So what I'm saying is these stocks have a lot more to come in before we're done, in my opinion. The other stocks may show, start to show good relative strength, okay? So if the NASDAQ 100, which is at 14,100 right now, goes back and retrenches or retraces back to 13,000, where it broke out during March, that April period, when we saw that initial flight to quality after the regional banking crisis, then you might have great opportunities, like you mentioned last night about Staples as your final trade or, or something, utilities or something. Something like it that. wasn't on last night, but thank All you. All right, well, two nights ago. <laughs> or, oh, that was my final trade job. Um, no, 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 no. But, but my point is, is like, there's going to be good stock picking opportunities, and maybe there's going to be a time when we spend less time, te- less time on so these stocks. So there is a convergence, in other words, yes. Yes. the underperforming yes. stocks to, to catch well, up. Well, this is so what we, we were talking about this on the half day right. call, what, which is, does money leave the market? Some leaves the market sure. and figures, all right, well, now I have an alternative. I can put it in treasuries. But some has to be redirected, even if it leaves the, that Magnificent Seven. Where does it go? That's the question. There's a lot of choices now. There's a right. lot of and all, choices. RSP this week, by the way, is doing better than the S&P 500 to that point of sort of this catch-up. Yeah, that, that, was, that was my point by saying, you know, plus 32 to minus 4. I mean, we can do that math. So, um, yeah, I think something does have to give. Um, I think you're in a place here where also you, you have to understand that the rest of the market that has been doing nothing or down and also was down last year um, – is reacting to interest rates up 500 basis points. I mean, those are companies, and and what we've heard in earnings so far, again, I would echo what we hear from both shippers, industrial companies, uh, folks that are relying on funding for their, you know, they're getting their funding, but it's not so good. They're funding one less project. And and that's that's the story here. And and the five or six or seven or eight companies that have dominated this performance are, are ones that aren't reliant necessarily on capital, are ones that have uh, certainly, uh, their growth is extraordinary. So anyway, we, we, we've just, we've probably closed the chapter because we're now officially in correction mode um, on really one of the greatest rallies in the history of the stock market in one year. In other words, you saw a 40% move in semiconductors, a 35% move from that CPI low of October of a year ago. It's, it's, it's no surprise you're giving back here. I just think the dynamics, the un- underneath this marketplace is always going to be the same thing. We're always going to be those seven stocks. So either we're going to be in treasuries to take a powder, maybe in the Russell. I don't think anyone's dying to triple themselves to buy small caps right now. So you might take a powder from buying those seven names. But unfortunately, it's always going to be. Let's take a powder, names. man. 
You don't know what that means? Breather. Yeah. Taking a breather. Yeah. Taking a knee. Hey, you take, yeah. powder room. Is it for, a ski? For, for that yeah. I think so. Take you take a powder, you take a break. So, so I think it's always going to be about those names. So whether or not you take a break, right? <laughs> take a break and don't buy those stocks. Passive investing is not going away. And all these investment funds, the 55 biggest global investment funds, are not going to get out of Apple and Microsoft to the tune that we need them to get out of to change the dynamic of the market. That we they, were, you, they were today, though. I mean, like that's the, that was an interesting thing to me. I looked up at one point and I saw Apple down 3% yeah. on no news. I saw but Microsoft down nearly 4%. A better setup for its earnings. Well, you could have said the same thing about Amazon right. today. And I mean, you, know, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, one last thing. What happens is that the, that fund says, oh, wow, Apple's not X percent in my fund anymore. So, yes, to your point, they get a better entry point, but they're still buying the same names. All right. We're going to take a powder. Next up, we are tackling the big move higher in Intel. We'll bring the latest in the company's conference call next and later delivery delayed. Shares of UPS hitting their lowest level in more than three years after its results early this morning. What's behind the declines and how much can we glean from this move? Fast Money's back in two. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got an earnings alert for you on Intel. Shares are higher by almost 8% after the tech company beat on the top and the bottom lines. Conference call underway. Christina Parsonevelis joins us here on set with more on the quarter. Christina. Underway, 18 minutes, and Pat mm-hmm. Gelsinger still speaking right now. But I guess, dare I say that the bar was set pretty low, the fact that they beat across the board, but this is the seventh quarter of sales declines. Yes, uh, we did see some improvement in Q4 outlook, which was great, and gross margins. So we actually have a chart. Hopefully we can bring that up just to, to show you guys how gross margins have been declining for so long, just over the last two years since 2021, there on your screen. And you can see just on the right-hand side, that's the number we won't care about right now, 45.8%, much higher than the 43 anticipated. Why is that happening? The company talked about cost-cutting. PC sales have been bad, but they're starting to improve. Q4 is going to be a little bit better, especially going into the holiday season. And then you have data center revenues. That sector was still a little weak. And on the call right now, Gelsinger did say that there was a wallet shift, which we already knew about towards GPUs, et cetera, but they're starting to see normal levels in Q4, and they're still on track to, you know, their four, uh, five nodes in four years, so they can be uh, like TSMC, a foundry uh, by 2025. So they appear to be on track with all of their goals, and that's why the stock is reacting so positively. I'm surprised that this huge jump given da- data center was, in fact, weak. But, I would have thought that the knee-jerk reaction would have been, well, not up 8%, maybe somewhere between up. I do you know. think the foundry business has a, plays a role. They announced that they have a new customer, which is a really big deal. They didn't say which customer it was, but that's showing that his 
two-year turnaround plan may be Progress. working, right? Progress in that. Data center weakness, we've heard from T, uh, uh, Texas Instruments, TSMC weakness. So it's not something that is necessarily very new at the moment. And yes, it's hitting him so or his company. So I wonder AMD could be next, too, in that sense. Christina, how much of this, uh, you know, they're also sprinkling in a little AI pixie dust, right? They say oh their gosh. pipeline I was just joking. has more than doubled, you know, in the last 90 days. Okay, so it's a, it's a really bizarre, like, <laughs> exactly. let's go 90 days ago to that. But but the point is that they are trying to not only reestablish uh, their their former dominance in, in Foundry, and but also get to the places that they want to be. And are you buying it? They, uh, they are launching an AI CPU chip, and they said that they're already shipping to customers, and it's going to officially launch on December 14th. So that could be... Uh, a point? Am I buying it? I don't know that. I don't know specs yet. I don't know how that's going to compare to the others. But you think every there's so many competitors in the market. I do believe that AI CPUs will be a good alternative because they're cheaper than GPUs. They mm -hmm. just they have to be processing data as fast, and that's what we have to see still. Key parts. Um, TSM. Uh, I think it was a couple weeks ago. They mentioned that they might see smartphones and PCs bottoming. In the comment that you right. just made, is, is this something? Is it enough to put together this? Is is there a narrative forming, or is it just seasonal? You think? No. Well, uh, even Gardner Research, they put out the actual PC shipments. Uh, we've seen uh, several quarters, I should say, of declines. But they actually, they too agreed with the TSMC. They didn't agree. They don't know TSMC, but they said Q4 shipments are improving as well. So that is a trend we're seeing across the board. Just for PCs, though, mm -hmm. data center revenue is another story because of that wallet shift to GPUs, because IT spend is coming down, especially to seasonality as well. Wasn't it just one week ago we were mm -hmm. virtually dancing on Intel's grave because NVIDIA and ARM yep. were going to go in together for a PC? Ch I mean, is it, I, I think, is it I no think longer that's dead? A, it's all of a sudden eight, up 8%. Yeah, I think, I think the the gift that was given to Intel was the, the, the way that it came into this, the pricing that it came into this. If you look at it on a chart, to your point, the last couple of days the stock has been slammed, so it's all on a relative basis. We're just getting back to those levels we were at mm -hmm. a couple of days ago. Is it still... In the, in the same vein of AWS, it was their game to lose, is it's NVIDIA's game to lose when it comes to AI. How many people can take uh, bites of that puzzle? I think it would actually be the other. Can Intel lose its CPU game to NVIDIA? Because to your point last week, they made this announcement, NVIDIA, AMD, neither, both companies declined to comment to me, but they're most likely coming out with their own CPU chips. Qualcomm announced the same thing. And the, the issue is that those three CPU chips are going to be based on ARM technology. ARM is a competitor to the x86, which is Intel's technology. And so that's, I'm flipping your yeah. question on its yeah, head it's and saying, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, the I, I would get back to also what we're saying here is that the, the sentiment around Intel and, and the, the, no one owns a stock. OK, the institution community hasn't liked it. There's been so many other places to go. This is the reason to me for this kind of a move. All right. Christina, thank you. Christina Partsonevelis. We've got a news alert here we want to get to on a potential Apple Watch import ban. Steve Kovac got the details. Steve. Hey there, Melissa. Yeah, this is coming from the International Trade Commission issuing in order to potentially ban Apple Watches. Of course, Apple Watches are made overseas in China and Vietnam. Uh, this is over a patent dispute between the health tech company Massimo. You see their shares up nearly 12% on this headline. They are trying to work on their own smartwatch. They've been accusing Apple of taking its patents for uh, uh, features like the uh, oxygen reader on the Apple Watch and the heart rate monitor. 
and the EKG uh, on the Apple Watch uh, violating some of their patents. This now goes to the Biden administration, though, Melissa, and they have 60 days to decide whether or not to institute that ban. Some caveats here. It's unclear which models of the Apple Watch may be subject to this. If it's sometimes with these patent disputes, it's only older models that either aren't on sale anymore or barely are on sale anymore. So that is unclear. And what's also unclear is this may only apply to Apple Watches manufactured in China. Apple has moved a lot of manufacturing outside of China for the Apple Watch to countries like Vietnam. So they may be able to skirt around this, even if the Biden administration issues the ban. But again, you're seeing Massimo benefit from this. Uh, shares up uh, nearly 12 percent, Melissa. All right, Steve. Thanks, Steve sure. Kovac. Um, Apple shares down by about eight tenths of a percent. Well, think about this. So we were talking a month ago about China banning uh, government employees mm-hmm. using iPhones there. Now we have our administration saying that maybe you can't bring, um, you know, uh, watches, watches in that are made in China. This does not seem like a great situation for Apple. In the old days, Apple just would have bought them, I think. Um, right. Problem solved. It's a four billion dollar company. And, you know, it's like those aren't the days we're in anymore, but though. They, I mean, <laughs> they don't really do that, do they? I mean, no, not now. I mean, now, you know, remember how much that Google beats. buying Fitbit? But that was, that was a the biggest. lengthy um, right. review. Yeah. yeah. Uh, chart on Apple, really, 150 really looks like there's good support there. Right. And I think it's the next stop. Coming up, some big stock moves catching our traders' eyes. Results setting up UPS, Valero, and Altria lower. We'll hit the numbers to find out why investors were selling out. Plus, Chipotle on the move in the after-hour session. The numbers out of that quarter and the headlines from the company conference call. Dare we say it was a burrito blowout. Mm-hmm. You're watching Fast Money Live from the Nasdaq market site in Times Square. Back right after this. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Summarize with AI in a click. Click, 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 click. Writer's block? Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. Welcome back to Fast Money. Stock selling off as earnings continue to roll in. The Dow dropping 250 points. The S&P down more than a percent, falling into correction now. And the Nasdaq tumbling 1.7 percent, closing below its 200-day moving average. Some more after-hours action. Capital One and Decker's Outdoor higher after reporting. Skechers lower despite an earnings beat. And Enphase Energy plummeting after a revenue miss and disappointing guidance. By the way, Amazon's call is just getting started. We'll bring you all the headlines as they start coming in. Speaking of earnings, a few names out with results. This morning that caught our eyes. Uh, UPS down nearly 6% after cutting its revenue outlook. Valero lower despite an earnings and profit beat. Altria also sinking after reporting a revenue decline and citing vaping competition. Um, that move, Tim, and Altria you did not love as a shareholder. I'm a shareholder. I, I, I have a sizable position there. And, and frankly, I, I thought the stock had been de-risked after pricing and all that bad news around that jewel purchase. And, and really, we know what's going on with cigarette volumes. We also know that the company's been charging more. And, and so net net, it's actually meant that they've had pricing power. Clearly, they don't have the pricing power. They cut, you know, the full year guide was cut by a penny and a half. Is that an 8% move in the stock? I don't know. It felt like there's really an existential assessment about their business, even though they diversified also into a bunch of other investments. Uh, I don't think the, the, the dividend's in jeopardy. It's not why I own the stock, although I do own it as a yield play. It is a staple, uh, and I think cigarettes, despite the, the declining market share, are investable. 
Coming up, we're watching shares of Chipotle after those earnings cross the wires. The details in the quarter next, plus a burrito barometer on the consumer. We'll see what these two names are saying about how spending is holding up. If today's moves are any indication, ain't looking pretty. The details when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Earnings alert now on Chipotle. Shares are jumping, but uh, off the after-hour session highs after reporting an EPS beat and revenues in line with estimates. Higher menu prices helping the results. Kate Rogers spoke with CEO Brian Nickel in just the last hour. She joins us now with the very latest. Hey, Kate. Hey, Melissa. Well, you said it. So for the third quarter, Chipotle EPS better than expected. Revenues right in line. Same store sales up 5%, better than the 4.6% estimated by street account. This was due to traffic being up and higher transactions fueling sales growth, something that Nickel was very proud to talk about. In terms of guidance, fourth quarter and full year comps will be in the mid to high single digit range. This compared to up 5.3% estimates for the fourth quarter. They'll also open between 255 and 285 new stores. As far as the all important consumer conversation. CEO Brian Nicole telling us the brand is strong in the last hour. Take a listen. Every income cohort, whether it's low, medium, or high, uh, continues to really uh, show an affinity for Chipotle. And you know, we're really excited about the momentum that we have in the business. So no pullback so far. The company uh, did not take any pricing in the quarter, but it did raise prices in recent weeks. That's something that, you know, they have kind of held back on doing, but they do obviously have pricing power and they're not seeing people pull away so far. So we'll see what the rest of the year holds. Melissa, back over to you. What uh, commodity costs are still rising, Kate? I thought a lot of them had been down. A lot of them had been down, particularly avocados was something that we've seen come down. But beef is something that is always a challenge for a name like Chipotle. And remember, they brought back something uh, that a lot of people like in carne asada, I think, in the most recent quarter as well. They had a chicken al pastor last quarter that did well. Chicken's a little bit lower cost there. So it's always kind of that push and pull. But again, Nickel always talks about we have these pricing levers to kind of rely on and we're able to do it in a way that we don't wind up losing consumers. All right, Kate, thanks. Kate Rogers, the latest on CMG. Grasso, you like this one? Do you remember those negative headlines? Way, way, it feels like th- those are gone. So Brian, Brian Nickel has been a tremendous operator in the space. Mm-hmm. All of the new stores, I think 80% of them have drive-thrus. Th- that tells you that they're expanding outside the city. And what they haven't penetrated on is international growth. So when you look at the stock, looks expensive. I think it's got a lot more room to run. A lot more room to run. I do. I, I think they are taking share, and people will always pay up for good quality food. And I think he hit it on the head that every income bracket is looking for a way to get quality food affordably. Mm-hmm. I, I hear you. They are, they are the example. Like They've set the standard. Right. There's no question about it. Um, I just don't know that the entire spectrum of their consumer can. And they just said, we haven't raised prices in a year. We'll see how it holds up. So far, so good. Um, the, the commodity dynamics, beef prices aren't coming down anytime soon. Avocados and cheese, I don't know, Dan, you got some insight there? <laughs> I mean, I'm, you said I'm, avocados I'm, are, are down. <laughs> <laughs> you know, avocado toast guy? Is that what you think? Well, you know, one, one thing is pretty surprising, though, when you look There's nothing at... nothing wrong with that, by the way. The way... way. <laughs> no, it's fine. Avocado toast. The way... <laughs> McDonald's <laughs> fell out of bed from an all-time high just earlier this year to a 52-week low, down 18% from those highs. Like, something's going on in this 
quick serve space. You know, Yum did the same thing. Except for DPZ. Yeah. Well, Chipotle had a well, gap McDonald's lower after their last earnings. They're, they're, I mean, they're slightly different segments. Um, I, I, I hear you. Uh, again, I'm, I'm kind of licking my chops. I think I'm going to get McDonald's lower. Yeah. I think I'm not sure I need to spend, you know, 50 times earnings for, for Chipotle here. All right. Chipotle. <laughs> really? <laughs> a couple of other companies painting a cloudy picture for the consumer in their latest reports. MasterCard saying growth in travel and cross-border spending helped boost results in the latest quarter, but forecasting weaker than expected Q4 sales growth, signaling possible moderation in spending volumes. The stock saw its worst day since June of 2022, quite a contrast from what we saw in Visa uh, just a few days ago. Meantime, Invisalign parent Align Technology missing on the top and the bottom lines yesterday. Um, a slowing demand for orthodontic treatments, weighing on results with new patient appointments down more than 8% from a year ago. Revenue guidance for the current quarter also weak. That stock losing about a quarter of its value today, 25% in one single session. Um, what do you make of these reads here? Well, um, we've talked a lot recently about the consumer who finances things and what's happening with that. And so Invisalign is not, a, you know, it's, it's expensive, yeah. certainly for the average customer. So that wouldn't be surprising that it was just it's just too expensive and financing it has gotten too expensive. But it's interesting to see MasterCard and Visa. You'd think the overlap would be quite high Very, in what yeah. they're seeing. And yet they're seeing different things. We said Capital One just briefly better credit mm-hmm. and then discovering worse. Yeah. You'd think the overlap there would be big, but it's it's noisy, very noisy out there. Coming up, believe it or not, we still have more earnings reports to sift through tonight. We're driving into the Ford trade next, plus Amazon's conference call is underway. Uh, We'll bring you the details ahead. Stick around. More Fast Money in two. A news alert again on Apple. The tech giant responding to that ruling from the International Trade Agency that they violated the patent of Massimo in its watches. Apple saying Massimo has wrongly attempted to use the ITC to keep a potentially life-saving product from millions of U.S. customers while making their own watch that copies Apple. Apple adds they will appeal this ruling. Um, we are seeing Massimo shares hold on to those gains after hours up by 14 percent. Apple down just under percent here. Meantime, we've got an earnings alert on Ford. Shares are lower as a car company missed on the top of the bottom lines and withdrew guidance. Phil LeBeau joins us live from Dallas with the latest. Phil. Hey, Melissa, we are about 40 minutes into this uh, analyst call. No major headlines so far. Jim Farley talking about their continued push to prioritize hybrid vehicles as demand for electric vehicles cools off here in the United States. A couple of thoughts. They missed on the top and the bottom line in the third quarter. This is the problem we've talked about before. One issue here is the warranty cost issue continues to be just it, it, it nips at the heels of Ford, and that's one of the reasons why they fell short, along with the UAW strike. Now let's talk about each of the three divisions, and it's more of what we've talked about in the past. Those two, there are two of them that are making money, internal combustion engine vehicles, as well as the commercial vehicle business. Both of those had another solid quarter, both earning, what, 1.7 and 1.65. And Model E, which is the electric vehicle division, they posted a loss of $1.32 billion. Not a huge surprise there. So as you take a look at shares of Ford and you take a look at where the company is right now, keep in mind that the UAW contract, because of that, they're pulling their guidance. They're not getting into details on this call. But they have said that this strike will cost Ford $1.3 billion. It will also add, per vehicle, a cost of $850 to $900. Now, how they're going to adjust to that? 
remains to be seen. You can't pass that all on to the customer. They admit they're going to have to learn how to become more efficient in terms of cost cuts, et cetera. Finally, as you take a look at uh, where Ford is right now, there is one headline from after this call and, and this earnings report. They are taking about $12 billion that they have allocated for EV investments, uh, Melissa, and they're pushing it out. They're not scrapping it. They're not saying we're not going to invest that $12 billion, but they are not going to be investing in the timeline they originally laid out. They're going to be much more judicious in terms of battery plants, capacity, et cetera. All right, Phil, and just one quick question. You mentioned $1.3 billion is the cost of the strike to Ford versus the $800 million that GM cited. Why such a huge difference? Well, I mean, Kentucky Truck is a huge, that's a big Uh profit driver. I mean, that's been down two weeks uh, relative to GM. Remember, GM, when they reported, they only had two plants that had been taken out. And they were not of the size or scale or profitability of Kentucky Truck. All right, Phil, thank you. Phil LeBeau keeping us posted here on Ford Shares. Anybody tempted by these automakers? Oh, that's a hard no. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm positioned, so, I mean, okay. I'm tempted to hold them. Um, and I guess the question is, uh, getting settlement seemingly puts some, some clarity back in the stock. For Ford, this is a billion and a half annual cost by the end of this contract. This is something. But, but seeing them stay, hey, we're not changing our strategy on EVs. We're being more flexible in terms of that. Also talking about sourcing uh, different EV components is also, it just makes sense. Um, as a guy that, that continues to not want to own Tesla, um, but was very adamant and outspoken about the competitive landscape coming to get them. Um, you know, what's clear is that the competition can come. And I think there's great car companies that are out there that are going to do it and have maybe a better product than Tesla. They can't do it profitably right now. And, and so that's that's really the story. Um, but Ford, you know, their internal combustion business, GM, I mean, I, I think still looks significantly superior to Ford. How, how about UAW? The costs, just like Phil said, they remove guidance because they don't know what the costs are, are going to be. And we've seen that with UPS. UPS, when they signed, when they settled their labor dispute, they still don't know what the knock-on effects are going to be. So this could have knock-on effects for months, maybe even years later to afford. All right. Coming up, we're checking in on Amazon. The conference call is underway, and we are listening in. Deepwater's Gene Munster will join us again with the key takeaways so far. Fast Money's back in two. We've got some breaking news on the Sam Bankman-Fried trial. Kate Rooney's got the details. Kate. Hey, Melissa. So court has wrapped up today uh, for today. Sam Beckman-Fried took the stand. He was testifying. No jury in the room, though. So this was, you think of it as more of a dress rehearsal. We heard a little bit of what we're going to hear from the defense team. Sam Beckman-Fried is extremely calm, cool, collected. That was not the case when we just left the courtroom. The the, uh, prosecution started their cross-examination. Sam Beckman-Fried was stalling. He was rerouting questions. The judge was extremely frustrated by that. He would sip his water bottle and try to take a second, ask follow-up questions to the prosecution. The lawyers there saying this is going to take a lot longer if this continues. The judge saying that it was an interesting way of answering, sort of scolding the defense team there, saying that Sam Beckman-Fried needs to answer clearly. He did seem to be buckling under some of that pressure. Again, a little bit of a preview of what we're going to hear in the coming days. They're coming back tomorrow. He's going to take the stand again, and there will be a jury in the room. They'll be able to see that. But again, a very different scene from when the defense was going after Sam Beckman-Fried to the prosecution. He did face the pressure today uh, when he was on the stand, but we're going to hear more tomorrow. Melissa, back to you. 
Should be interesting. Kate, thank you. Kate Rooney, let's get another check on shares of Amazon, which have since bounced. They are up by 2.6% right now. The conference call is underway. We're about 23 minutes in. Gene Munster has been listening in. Uh, Gene, what happened? Well, Melissa, we talked about AWS and its importance, and the company is giving some optimism regarding this segment. They said that in the September, the month of September, they signed uh, several large deals that in aggregate uh, outpaced all of the new bookings in the quarter to date. And so that's not total revenue for AWS in the quarter, but they had basically three huge bookings that are going to be recognized in the December quarter. And when you put all that together, the streets had 14% growth for AWS in December. The analysts are probably going to have to raise their estimates. It's probably going to be 15, maybe 16% after hearing that comment. And that's the reason why the stock popped here. It is the pressure point on Amazon is AWS. The reason why they're saying that they have won those deals is that since they have a leading market share, they've got all the data, and then the developers just bring the model to their data. makes a ton of sense, but that's been the big takeaway from the call. I'm sorry, Gene, I I must have missed it, but, you know, those new deals, when do they get booked? That's a 24 item? Correct. The new deals get booked in the December quarter, so we'll see that in AWS growth in December Uh, So their analysts are going to have to raise their numbers for AWS for September. We'll see growth going from like 12 percent in, in, excuse me, for December. We'll see growth grow from like 12 percent in September to probably 16 percent in December. So they already gave gave us guidance for the fourth quarter. So AWS is actually better than what analysts think. So there are other parts of the business that are weaker than what we think? Uh, Yes. Uh, AWS is still a smaller part of the business, so that Mm -hmm. 2 percent, it probably comes a little bit from from retail, but it, mm-hmm. yes, that is correct. Uh, that's a that's a trade off that I think Amazon investors at Deepwater sure. we do not own Amazon, but I think that's a trade off that those investors will like because they got to nail it on when it comes to AWS to really keep investors excited about the AI growth story. And so I think that yes, it is a decline for the other revenue, but it's moving into the proper category. Yep, Gene, thank you, Gene Munster. Thank We're you. seeing a. A pop of 3.5% at this point. Uh, Meantime, the bean down consumer staple sector ticking lower today, but one of our traders thinks there's more than meets the eye with this group. Karen, you've been sniffing out some opportunities here. I have. And so I ended up with Kelanova after making fun of the name, which I still don't like. I just think, wow, this one has really gotten beaten up. I know Tim's sort of been on this leg. This is a place to look. Trades at 12 and a half times earnings, 4.7% yield. The street hates it. Everyone who hates it even has a higher target than where it is. So I think it's really, really overdone. We've seen some overdone things rally like a Verizon, like a uh, AT&T. And this feels just sort of ripe and not a ton of downside and a good place to hide. Yeah, uh, in fact, KLG uh, looks also really just interesting to me, which is the, the actual cereal. core cereal brand. But if you look at Staples, look at the XLP, um, you traded all the way back to that February 2020 level. Remember how sexy it was to own like spices um, during, you know, like you everyone was cooking. Cumin. You can Come find cumin. In the it got absurd. I mean. It got absurd. It got absurd also in terms of pricing power and then the dynamics of what they were able to pass on. Look at the movie you had Lower and Hershey's who also announced today. Uh, they beat, they gave a guide. They also said GLP-1 is not the end of their business. Up next, final trades. Time for the final trade. Tim. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's that time. Oh, yeah, my old friend Altria. Thank you for the charts up there, everybody. See, there's a lot of stress on us. Oh, yeah. This was a stressful day. Anyway, Altria, I think you stay there. We know what's going on with the cigarette volumes. Pricing holding up. Karen. Yes. But just staying with the unpopular, I'm going to continue the trend. 
I like Meta. I thought those were very good earnings. Like you into smoking noise. cigarettes. Wow, that's, I mean. Well, I, <laughs> no, it's a kid thing, I think. Yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, really quickly, um, because you guys took a lot of time. Uh, Intel, <laughs> the foundry win is kind of interesting. I just wouldn't be buying it right here. 8% now. Steve. I don't think it's time to take a powder in CMG. I think international growth is still on the horizon. All right. Thanks for watching Fast. Do not go anywhere. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. All opinions expressed by the Fast Money participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information the Fast Money participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Fast Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Fast Money Disclaimer. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve with the help of T-Mobile for Business. Our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. 